The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. And welcome to Brutal Nation. I'm your host, Scott Alexander. Right across from me is the one, the only, the beast from the not-so-far east. <laughs> I hate you. Tammy, the Sasquatch Underwood. Say gur, Tam. Gur. <laughs> have fun on Sandy Boulevard. I hate you. <laughs> All right, so on the horn, of course, we have our one and only Mr. Keith Jesperson. Good hey. morning, Keith. Well, good morning. I was just going to ask you a silly question. Okay, go. Okay, why am I a serial killer? Well, we don't know. <laughs> Why are you? What, <laughs> what do you mean you don't know? I mean, you, you have your assumptions. Well, I see... Mean, the, the FBI has their idea what will right. I'm a serial killer. Other people have their idea. I was going to say, but, by legal definitions, it's because you murdered more than two people over a period of t- with, you know, space in between each murder, and they were similar in M.O., However, Scott Scott and I actually have a theory about this, and we talked about it just yesterday. Wasn't it, Scott? Yeah. Yeah, we did, actually. You are actually, when it comes to definitions or types of serial killers, you, we feel that it was brought on because you, what was it, we... Didn't have the proper coping techniques. Yeah, I mean, well, because I'm um, thinking about it, Keith. When when you were killing, uh, you know, psychology and things like that was still kind of coming into fruition. Like back in the '80s and even into the '90s, you know, a lot of people were like, if you went and saw a shrink, they'd be like, "Oh, you're crazy," and nobody wanted that stigma, you know. So it's, it's I, I, me personally, I think it's lack of coping mechanisms at the time, and it was a way of getting catharsis. Plus, on top of that, you were dealing with the chick who was down in uh, uh, Wairika, California. Uh, fuck my brain leaks. I can't Don remember. Don Schlegel. That was it, Schlegel. Um, you know, and you didn't want to repeat of that because of all the crap you had to go through. So that, that that's just my theory. Yeah. Well, you're, you're you're pretty close. You know, you're actually pretty close. I guess if that's where you want to. I I basically came up to this other solution was that uh, you know when I when I met Tanya Bennett, I did, my my intention was not to kill anybody. Right. Yeah, so I was I was there to get a, I was there to get laid. That's what I was saying. I was going to take her, you know, take her out party a little bit, bring her home, and and uh, seduce her and, and have a good time. And the next morning, or the, later that night, drive her back to where she was, and and, and that would be the end of that. Right. But it didn't work out that way. It just didn't work out that way. So I ended up killing her, and I dropped her off in the gorge, and then you know a month later, two people. Stood up and took the blame for it, which is kind of stupid or crazy. Here we go right. with this crazy thing again. But anyway, it, 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 it's bizarre. Let's just call it bizarre. Very. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and, and I didn't know why. I had no idea. I thought it was like only in America. Why would they step up and, and take this blame? Anyway, so I'm sitting there listening and watching and going like, my God, you know, they, I got away with murder. This is this is what everybody dreams of when they're reading crime novels of getting away with a perfect murder. Right. If, if there is such a thing, ever, if there ever is such a thing as a perfect murder. I mean, this wasn't... The better thing was, I, I, I keep looking back at that, at that case. And, and 
I keep looking back at it, and this is this is as time rolled on, right? I had the Don Slagle thing. I I, I did the murder of, of Bennett in January of 1990. April of, ni- of 1990, I met Don Slagle, and we get into this issue of he said, she said, and what happened out there um, by Shasta, California, and I was arrested uh, three different times and then released, and then the case was dismissed. So yeah, I was. I didn't want that he said she said thing to happen again. But at the same time, I'm I'm saying, oh, what a waste of of a, of a person of of a time spent with a woman, when myself with a woman. I I I didn't want that to happen. I think it happened too quickly. If I was to look at myself as being a murderer, if that was what I was looking at in the first case, if I had planned on the murder, then. I wasted, you know, I, I, her, the murder happened too quickly. Right. See, I, I hadn't, uh, uh, I hadn't contemplated that in the Benamur. Everything was just, it was just a, a rush, kind of like, um, just chaos. Right. In my life. Everything just fell apart and everything just kind of like blew up and, and uh, I didn't know what to do, where to go and everything like that. So, but in the years past, you know, it's, you got to sit around. I, I, I didn't go back. I didn't go trucking until April of 92. That's when, uh, I don't know if you remember, Scott, that in, in 1991 and 92, that's when they had the transition between the uh, licensing. Right, right. The, uh, CDL, we're, we're... the CDL came into play right in about 1991, 92. Right, and they got rid of the chauffeur's, chauffeur's license. license. You remember you used to have a chauffeur's license, and then you mm-hmm. went to the CDL? Yep. So... I got my CDL. I had to go back. I had to go in April and 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 I to get my CDL and go back over the road. And I hired back on with a regular company. But all the time I'm driving, I kept thinking back on what a waste it was for, on time and everything, on effort and everything. You know, on the Bennett murder. I mean, uh, if I was to have if I was to spend more time, if I had spent more time with her, you know, the little fantasies you work out in your mind, what what could have happened. If the, if the end result was going to be murder anyway, then then that's kind of how you look at it. Right. That you'd be that you would you'd want to deal with that that, that aspect. So right. when I was driving down the road and, and uh, dealing with what I had to deal with with Dawn, yes, in, in in retrospect, looking back on that, that had a lot to do with why I became a serial killer. Hmm. Because I didn't want to go through a he said, she said battle ever again. Which brings me to my second murder. Right. Right. And that's where we need to go. We need to kind of move on and get away from this, uh, the, the Bennett murder, and move on to why am I a serial killer? Well, also, I want to throw in there, I, I think it's, it, it was at the time you had a total lack of control. Now, keep it in mind, I do have a psychology degree, but I'm not a shrink, man. But no, he's yes, not. I really handle my own <laughs> shit. Um, but, you know, at, at the time, you know, like, like uh, if you look at the big picture, you were out of work. You and I talked about you getting ran off from Albertsons trying to unload trucks. You're trying to, you know, do the best that you can with what you have. So you have that. You know, and of course, you know, you, you, you had your girlfriend at the time call you and say, hey, get the hell out of my house. Then you add Don Schlegel onto that, and you 
you add all the other contributing factors, you know, people want to think that they at least have maybe not total control of their life because nobody does, but at least some, uh, you know, some some bit of control over some aspects. So I I kind of get have gotten the feeling that it's it, it, it was maybe a, a way for you to gain some control, things that you can totally control. Right. As opposed to these outside influences, like you can't control uh, Albertson's Warehouse from saying, hey, Keith, get the hell out of here, you know, because you're not a union worker or whatever. And, you know, you can't unload trucks to make money. You can't control Don Schlegel from, you know, doing what she did. You can't control Shasta County from sitting there going, OK, you're, you should be good to go. And then turning around and saying, oh, wait a minute, you got to come back. We got to talk to you and say, no, 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 you're good to go. And they go, oh, wait a minute, we got to talk to you again. You can't control that. But there are things yeah, you can I, control, and that's you know, The thing is, we don't want to blame the victim. No, totally no, not. Right? Totally not. We don't want to. You know, this is this is what. Uh, but this is how the legal system works, right? They the lawyers step in and they want you to blame the victim, and that way, uh, you become you become some kind of something they can work with in court. And you see this in the news all the time. All these cases, like court TV and stuff, where they are blaming victims and they're trying to make it their fault, in which. A lot of my stories that how I settled my cases was based upon what my lawyer had said I needed to do. Right. So I, so if you want to look at how my second murder happened, uh, let's just go through that. You know, in, in August of 92, I was driving for uh, Angie Truck and I was hauling reefer uh, trailers and uh, I think I had a load of Washington beef when I was headed towards Phoenix, Arizona. And have you driven down to Southern California at all, Scott? I'm sorry, do I know the what? Have you driven down to Southern have California? Yes, he has. Yeah, I actually, I lived in Palm Springs for quite a while when we moved uh, from my home state to oh, Georgia. Oh, so you'll be very familiar with this area. Okay. Yeah, we, so we anyway. lived in La Mirada and Buena Park and places like that. All right, so I was headed south from Victorville. Victorville is... If you head south on 15, uh, you go past the big old Palomino up in front of Roy Rogers Museum. Oh, yeah. Yeah, remember that? Now you, yeah, yeah. You get up there now, right before you drop off the hill into San Bernardino, there's this brake check area. And it's a big it's a big area. It could probably hold 50 trucks. Now, I, now, the scale house was open at the bottom of the hill before you get to uh, 210, right? Right, right. So you come off the hill and you get to the way station. Well, I always made you, I hated California with a passion when it came to driving across way, way stations because they always look at the sticker on your window and you go like, oh, you need another inspection, right? Yeah, because they have those little, going, for those of you that don't know the sticker system, they give you a sticker every year that you go through there and they rip off a corner per quarter um, of that yeah. uh of that inspection. So if it's in the first quarter, then you get the whole sticker. If it's the second quarter, they rip off one corner of it, yada, yada. And if one of those corners is not in the right corner, guess what? You're spending an hour getting inspected on the same shit that they just looked at last week. Yeah. And so I was, I pulled off in the brake check area and I was the only truck there. Now I was there about 10 o'clock in the morning. Now, anyone that, that drives truck into LA and that area like that, most of the trucks hit town at about, you know, anywhere from 2 o'clock to 8 o'clock in the morning. 
-hmm. And the scale houses are usually start closing down at about noon because the traffic going into L.A. has has dropped off dramatically with when you drive truck. Now, they start opening up the scales going out of L.A. at about 10 o'clock so that they catch the trucks leaving town. It's just it's a policy California has, and sometimes they stay open 24 hours like the one there off of Wheeler Ridge or, oh, yeah. you know, you know Places like that, or even Shasta, they have they, they stay open pretty much all the time. Yeah, Cottonwood. But, I'm not sure if Cottonwood uh, was or, built. Or you, know, you go up there towards um, Trucking. Trucking's a terrible one on, on I-80. Oh yeah. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, I was parked on this brake check area. I was all by myself. I I just had adjusted my trailer brakes, and I was in a set of coveralls, and I was underneath my truck. And I was adjusting my brakes, and I hear a voice. I mean, it's like divine, you know, intervention kind of thing. I hear a voice. <laughs> hey, mister, can I get a ride, right? And I'm like, why don't I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like bewildered. I don't know, I can't, you know. I, I look around, around me, I don't see anything. Then I hear it again, hey, mister, can I get a ride? I'm like, I have, I crawl out from underneath the truck, and she's been standing right next to my ghouls, and this girl was, Shaggy blonde hair, has a white t-shirt on with a motorcycle emblem on the front of it, and she wears these bleached out blue jeans. And she's a nice looking gal and everything like that. And I look right up at her and I said, you're a hooker. And she said, sometimes. And I'm like, okay. And well, this is what says, says too. <laughs> no, I said that about uh, you, said, Where did you come from? I said, I said, where'd you come from? And she was like, she pointed to the back of my trailer and I was like, excuse me? So I got up and I walked back to the back of my trailer, and it became very apparent why she was there. So behind me, uh, parked at the bottom of the hill, was this Albertson's, uh, you know, grocery truck. That you know, the guy was had given her a ride from up north, headed down south, and the scale house being open, he pulls in, hoping to drop her off and have somebody else take her in, right? So he's there. He has no sleeper now. He has a, uh, and I've known the Albertson drivers. They're out of Brea, California, and they have a policy of no rider policy. So she can't drive across the scale with a woman in the front seat. They're going to pull him over, and they're going to give him a ticket. Right. I look at it. I look right back at her. All right. Um, where are you headed, I asked her. She says, Los Angeles. I said, well, I'm not going to Los Angeles. I'm going to Phoenix, Arizona. My next stop is going to be Cabazon. And you know where Cabazon is? Oh, that's yeah, that's right. By Banning. Yeah, that's, it's by that's Banning. Yeah, it's by Banning. Banning Scale House, right? Right. And then pretty close, a little bit away from It's a Chevron truck stop. It has a restaurant. It has a nice big parking lot. And what's in behind that parking lot? You don't now know. Now it's a casino. Pee Wee Herman's Great remember. Adventure. Remember Pee Wee Herman's Great Adventure? Oh, yeah. Doors had. Ah, right, 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 right. There's that dinosaur park. There's a dinosaur park behind this. This is where you go in and you can climb up inside the concrete dinosaurs. And, and uh, that's where Pee Wee Herman had his great adventure, right? In the brontosaurus. Anyway, not in a porn a theater. Up there. <laughs> that was his other great adventure. You can, go to, you can go in there to the gift shop. And, and I was in there in 1987 with my, my son. I dropped it. I brought it in there, and I bought a, a, a T-Rex little toy that had batteries, and it 
stomp his feet and growl, and my kid just loved it. Kept him entertained while I was driving, you know, drove him around the, around the south there with my truck. Anyway, so I told her this is where I'm headed. I'm headed to Cabazon. That's where my next stop will be. I am not going to Fontana. Uh, you know, she wanted me to drop down off the, two, off the 115, no, the 15 to Fontana. And uh, my, my point was I was going to get down to the Y and I was going to take the 215. And I was going to run that down to Interstate 10 and then over to Cabazon, or I could have dropped down to the, two, the Highway 210 and headed east of that, and that would eventually got me back down to 10. Uh, either way, it's six way, half a dozen other in, in, in as far as uh, travel time. But anyway, I, I told her this is where I'm at. She said, well, can't you just take me down to Fontana? I said, listen, you're asking me for a ride. I'll give you a ride to Cabazon. And then you can get a ride. You'll be on I-10. You'll be going straight into L.A. And I'm sure some trucker there will give you a ride straight in there. If, you, if that's not satisfactory with you, then you could just find another ride somewhere else. And that's what I told her. And she said, well, okay. Uh, since I was the only truck there, what the hell, right? So I wave off the uh, Albertson truck. He drives off, and she gets in the truck, and then I tell her, I said, well, by the way, I can't leave for another hour and a half because of my logbook. I, I got to get my logbook in order. And then when we get down to the scale house, I said, you're going to have to be in the sleeper so that, uh, uh, that he can't see that I have somebody in the truck with me because I have the same policy. Right. Uh, basically, I can't have a rider in my truck, but because I have a sleeper she can hide in when we go past. Um, and then I didn't even ask her a name. Now, but I, but in the in, in, in talking about the case in the future, I called her Claudia. Okay. I don't know why. I just it just came up. But that's she's a Jane Doe. It's it's. it's when I brought up the word Claudia, I didn't realize later until later after they start trying to search for identity, they keep bringing up Claudia, and I said, that's the name I made, I gave her. It wasn't, it wasn't her name. Okay. Anyway, moving on. So, moving on. I, uh, so, we head that way. Now, before we do, very first thing she does, you know, she has no luggage. She has no coat on. She has no uh, purse. She doesn't, doesn't even look like now. She gets in the truck and she says, you, you, can I get a smoke? And I said, well, you, I don't smoke. But I always carried a pack of smokes in the, in the glove box because when I picked up people for rides and stuff like that, they always seemed to have the, the urge to smoke. So I pulled out the pack and I handed her a cigarette. And eventually she kept the whole pack. That's what smokers do. They just hang on to that. Anyway, <laughs> we head towards Cabazon. We get there to Cabazon. And we pull in. Now, this is 100, 100 degrees out or 110 degrees in the shade. It's hotter than hell out. And uh, we pull in, and when I park, I park up by the dinosaur park. And I point my tractor is pointed east. Like most of the other trucks are pointed the other direction. I always point the other direction because I think I've talked to you about this before. Is that I, when I pull in a truck stop, sometimes I'll just I'll pull direct Instead of backing into, I'll, I'll pull in so that I don't have to listen to the other motors running at night. Uh, right, right. Yeah, so that's the basis of how I... Everyone said, I'm, you know, maybe if, you're, if you look for trucks parked in the wrong direction, they must be serial killers, right? 
<laughs> Scott's going to change up his uh, MO when he parks now. Damn right I am. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's always the best bet here. You park or get away from the noise and, and the rest of the traffic. So when they, when people go by, all they see is the back of the trailer. They don't see. Uh, and it also, when you do that, is that when your back of your trailer is pointed out where people can look at it, no one's breaking into your trailer. Right. That was, that was the other side of that coin. Anyway. So we get there, and I park, and uh, I, I, I guess I'm not parked very long when uh, two K9-unit cars pull up, and they park in the shadow of my truck. And they open up the windows with the dogs, and the dogs, are in, and they all go in there. And, and I took this girl in, and we had some, an iced tea in the restaurant, and I pointed out to the highway. I said, all right, you go on out there, and you can get a ride. Well, it's hot out here, and I'm like, yeah, of course it's hot out here, but go out there and make sure you can get a ride. Well, why, why don't, can, can we call someone else to get a ride with another trucker? And I said, well, well, I guess we can. So we go in the back in the truck. We're sitting in there. And I said, you know, you said you're a hooker half the time or part of the time. Why don't we just, what do you want? And we'll, we'll do our, our duty kind of thing. She wanted 40 bucks. I give her 30 and, and we got naked and threw ourselves in the bed we were playing there for a while, and I started to think, man, I've got a lot of time to kill, pardon the pun. <laughs> but, yeah, you might laugh about it. But that's yeah, Scott I, 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 just, I can't help myself. Every time you say that, it just cracks me up. Because <laughs> I'm a sick you know, bastard. It, it is. It's, it, it's a time thing, you know. It's Like I said, going back to the Bennett thing, so I, you know, I wasted a lot of time in that. I, I, I didn't get anything out of this other than a body to take out in the woods and put somewhere. This right. way here, I thought, you know, what if I... The, the thought hit my head. Why don't I kidnap her? Okay. Why don't I kidnap her and have her for the rest of the day? Okay. This is what my mind was doing. This is where, this is where the serial killer shit came into play. Okay. I was thinking, golly, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to take this. I'm going to, I, she, she got in my truck. Nobody started getting in the truck with me. We went and had it on IC, sure, great, but nobody really knows what's going on because you start understanding how people view things out in parking lots. If there's no argument, no nothing like that, they they assume everything's okay. Right. And while we're in there, we had it. We're 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 having a good good time. I was paying for it, of course. But at the same time, I'm thinking, God, you know, why don't I just just do what I, what my mind had thought about, have had done, and I decided I was just going to kidnap her, and I was going to take her with me to Arizona, right? Okay. <laughs> and, and and stop along the way and have fun with her, right? That was that was my thought process. And so what did I did? I, I reached around, I grabbed. Uh, I didn't have any tape there, and I had some rope cordage and stuff, so I, I pulled it out, and I, I, after everything was done, I tied her up. Now, I wasn't, I wasn't a, a brutal, I mean, here we are, brutal nation. I wasn't so brutal to tie her up too tightly. Okay. And that was my mistake. That was my mistake. And so I had her in the back of the sleeper, and I was headed toward Indio. Now... You may recall that if you're headed towards Indio on I-10, there's a spot right around Indio where, at an exit, there is a wide spot there where a lot of the trucks pulled in off the highway 
without really leaving the highway. Yep. There's a, a parking area. Are you familiar with that? I am. Okay, so I was about to get to that point, and I heard a noise behind me in the sleeper, and I, I opened up the curtain, and she had gotten, she had untied herself and gotten dressed, and she had her hand on the sleeper door, ready to jump and pounce and get the hell out of there. When I looked at her, she looked back at me, and she said, I, and she said something like, I'm tired of this shit, or something along those lines, this bullshit. And uh, I'm getting, I'm out of here, right? And so I point into this, I see this area coming up where a lot of trucks, are, there's nobody in there, but I come off the highway, I'm doing about 20 or so when I come off the road, and I'm pointed into this parking lot, and I put my truck in neutral, I get out of my seat, reach over and pull the maxi brakes out, and climb in the back and grab her before she jumps out. So the truck is still moving and the brakes are coming on and I'm not I'm not in the driver's seat. I'm in the back grabbing her and, and I'm pushing her down on the on the floor and my mind goes to this is this would be a, a he said she said moment with Don Slagle. <laughs> <laughs> true. True, true. I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna survive this one, right? So I just I just I just killed her right there. I just pushed it down because my end result was that I was going to kill her anyway. Hmm. When I when I realized when I thought about kidnapping, I said this is going to end badly anyway for her. Right. And so I I strangled her and I, I killed her at that moment. And then I sat there and go like, well, this didn't work out too well. This it didn't go as like, planned. <laughs> no, it did not go as planned. I was like, and she was like ready to jump, and I'm sure she would have jumped if she realized I was going to, you know, I don't know how many people think I was just going to leave the driver's seat while the truck is still moving down the highway. Right. And take care of this. You have to, there was a panic in me when I had to do that. Right. Where I had to get this done because this, she was going to jump. She was, she was on her way out, and she was going to, and, and I couldn't, I couldn't allow that. Right, right. So, so, I took care of her and killed her right there. Now, in the story, now that's not the story I told to get arrested uh, when I when I made this made, made this deal. The, the real story that that normally is told is that she decided to go with me to Arizona. Oh, okay. Right. So when 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 the whole story come out, I was telling like in the court and everything that. She, that uh, when my deal with Riverside County, California, um, I just laid out this is the story, and, and you either got to believe it or you don't, which they, they had to believe it because that's what I told them at the time. Right. right. Yeah, because there's no they other option to that. believe in anything else. No other option to this. They had to believe the story. They had to run with it. And the, the story I told them is that she decided to ride with me to Arizona. We drove into uh, uh, off of Dillon Road down to uh, Coachella, and parked him behind the Burns Brothers truck stop there at the very back. And, and then we went in, had a shower, had a meal. And when we came back on out, she was wanting me to buy some stuff for her, and I, I refused to do that. Then we got out in the truck, and she wanted a party, and I didn't want I didn't want to buy the drugs or anything like that. So I refused to do that. And then she uh, accuses me of, uh, she, she saw this little blue pickup drive by with a flashing amber light on the top. And she says, um, 
you know, either give me all your money or your wallet, or I'll, I'll say that you assaulted me, pointing at that blue security vehicle that drove by. And that was the story that was laid out. Right. And the truth of the matter was she, was, she was dead before she got to uh, uh, Coachella. And yes, I parked in the back there where the, and I went in and I had a shower and then I had a bike eat while she's laid dead in the truck. And I walked back and I got in the truck. And while I was sitting there doing my log book again, uh, that little blue pickup drove by with the flash and amber light on it. So when you're telling a story and you, I told most of the story was the truth except for that point where I kidnapped her. <laughs> right. So to speak. Yeah. So, so wait a minute. That, have, was, have, that was the light now. What? Uh, have, so, have you so have you have you told the true story to anybody else but us, or is this a kind of an exclusive? Well, I said this to uh, the other podcast guy. Oh, okay. Then, I, I, okay, okay cool. so Keith Revere, I told it to him. Okay. And, okay, so there, there's only two of us who've run. gotten the real story. That's sweet. Yeah, you're. This is. I decided, you know, what the hell, why not just tell it because I, I, already, remaining. I will call you right back. Okay. All right. Talk to you I bit. have a question. Okay. <laughs> I, I got questions. <laughs> All right. Welcome All right. back, Keith. Now, yeah, I have ask a... me any questions. Okay, go ahead. If you ask any questions, let me finish the story, okay? Okay. So we don't get deviated down. Yeah, that's down. true. That's true. That'll work. Okay. I'll write there. my questions down. I wait. <laughs> okay. I wait. I waited until, you know, for, for a little while, but when I saw that... The security vehicle drive by. I figured I better get the hell out of this parking lot, right? Now it's still hot out. It's probably three in the afternoon, something along those lines, three or four. Anyway, so I, I'm headed east on Interstate 10. Now, as you know, when you come out of Dillon Road off of that's Coachella, you start climbing the hill. You get to the top on I-10, and on your left is the George Patton Museum. Okay. Remember I think that. so. I, I, George Patton, General George Patton has a museum up there. It has a tank sitting out there. Anyway. So I drive by that exit. And I, I can't remember if it was the next exit or the following exit. But it was one of the other, one of the two in the, that I came to. I pulled off the road. And I'm looking for a place to put the body, right? Because, But I can't put the body anywhere until it gets dark. Because I don't trust, you know the light and people can see too far away anyway so i, I take the on-ramp uh, the off-ramp of the highway i go up to the top and i cross over the, the exit and i get on the on-ramp going back on the i-10 and there's a wide spot and i pull over and i park now i roll i roll up the body in, in one of my uh, blankets and i lay her up against the back of the sleeper so she's laying there in the back of the sleeper uh, dead and I'm laying next to her on the bed, and I got the, the air conditioners going, and I got the CB radios buzzing, because I had two radios in there. I had, uh, anyway, so I had the CB radio going, and then I was listening to the AMFM, uh, the Western Channel or something along the line. Well, I heard these truckers talking about a full-grown smoky bear uh, parked next to a purple Peterbilt parked along the, on the on-ramp, on I-10 going, going eastbound. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, I'm driving a Purple P, right? You know, a lot of people call it the Purple People Eater, but anyway, I'm not going down that road. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm, I'm laying there uh, 
listen to this, and you know what a smoke, you know what a full grown smoky bear is, right? Yeah, that's a that's your CHP cop with uh, that. That's very obvious, and you have the polar bears. He does all or, the lights and the whistles and all that kind of stuff on. He's a full grown. He's he looks like a Christmas tree going down the road. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And then you have the okay, the bears so, and the plate right white wrappers. California Highway Patrol. So I'm thinking, wait a minute. I, what do you mean I got a cop parked next to me? So I get up and I look out the window. And sure enough, right in the shadow of my truck, I cannot leave. Right. Here's this guy parked not 10 feet away from the body that I have in the sleeper. And he's parked there. And I don't know why he's parked there. I have no idea why he's parked there. Why is he parked there other than the fact that he's in the shade of my truck? I'm like, oh, i got to figure out what's going on here because I don't know what the hell's going on. And so I reach into my ice chest that I have there. And I pull out a couple Cokes. I get out of the truck and I walk over to his driver's door. And he rolls down the window. I said, here, I have a Coke. He said, I can't have a Coke. I can't, I can't accept that. But at the same time, I'm looking at in his car, and I asked, what the hell is going on? Why are you here? He says, well, I got a, I got a plane flying overhead, and, and this plane can take read the license plates off the back of cars. <coughs> and they're catching these speeders going by, and we're waiting for a couple cars to come by, and we're going to chase after these speeders. And I'm looking at his, he has a little uh, tablet down next to his right hand, and he's written down, he was parked next to this Peterbilt and the truck number and and the trucking company, right? So he has me labeled right there at that exit. And so now I know that I can't leave the body there, right? Because he has me documented there parked next to him and me talking to him. I'm, I'm sure after I got done talking to him, he, he wrote down that the driver talked to him. Right. Anyway, so I go, I walk around and I, I told him, well, I was parked because it's too hot out. I was afraid I was going to roll a couple caps off my tires. So I just wanted to rest until uh, it cooled down, right? And uh, it's a common thing to do. And so I, I walked around, kicked the tires a little bit, got back in the truck, sat there. And then I went back in the sleeper and just laid there and thinking maybe, you know, and I kind of listened, listened for him, the motor, the runner. So pretty soon he took off. And uh, I'd already picked out a good place to put the body, but that just went out the window, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm not going to put it there anymore. And so I, as soon as he took off, I waited maybe, uh, maybe about five minutes. And I seen him up there with a car pulled off the side of the road. And I drive by him and I go down towards Blythe, California. I get down there and I'm looking, I said, where in the hell am I going to put this body, right? So I realized now Highway 95 comes south from Needles off of Highway 40 down through a canyon. And I figured, well, why don't I go up 95, find a, a, a good spot up there, and I'll just throw it off into the ravine or something like that. So I head north out of Blythe, and it's a long straight stretch to go across the valley. And as you're coming up to the canyon, it takes a, a sweeping turn to your right, before it turns to the left into the canyon. And on that sweeping turn to the right, I looked in and there's three canyons that come together there. And there's a wide, there's a spot where it looks like uh, people pulled off and there's a little lane there where you can pull in and park. I said, well, there's, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull in there. I'm going to get rid of the body there. So I pull, I drive, continue. I go into uh, the, the canyon with the Highway 95 and I'm up there about five or six miles. I find a wide spot and I turn around and I come back and I, and I pull right into that that little spot where I, I 
I thought I would pull in. I pulled in park. And I sit there and walked around looking for a place where I could put the body when it got dark enough. And there's a, a log. There's a big old bush um, that shielded it from the road. And then there's a, a log laying there. And I thought, well, I'll bring it over and put the put it on the other side of this log. And so now I had to wait until it got dark. And as soon as it got to where the light went down to where the people had to turn the lights on, that's a good time to do it because they really don't know what they're looking at. I mean, it's not pitch black, but it's, it's kind of hazy, so they're, they're, it distorts your vision. And so I picked up the body, threw it over my shoulder, went over there and threw it behind this log, and I drove out. Now, I made sure that she just left her there in her clothes without any of my bedroll or anything there. And then I drove towards Phoenix, and I got up across the port of entry, and the next truck stop I pulled into, and I just threw all my bedding in the dumpster because she had soiled it with uh, when she, she urinated when I killed her. So, anyway, so that's that's the story. That's that's what happened. Now, now in 2009, I after my daughter was on Oprah um, with Dr. Phil and, and Don Flagle and and whatever. Um, they decided to take me to Riverside County and throw the book at me, even though in 1996 I had a deal uh, to a life sentence there, which they hoped that I, that my lawyer wasn't involved in anymore. In 2009, they took me down there, and in January of 2010, they gave me a 25 to life to run concurrent with Oregon. So I'm currently doing 25 to life on, on that one here in Oregon. Um, one or the other issue I want to bring up that in, when I wrote the letter to the, to the the original happy face letter, when I when I mentioned this case, I claimed that I had this woman in my truck for four days and she was my sex slave, which was a lie, because I, I don't have a people in my truck. Before. I haven't had anyone in for four days. Right. It's probably wishful probably wishful thinking. That's all it was. It's what anyway. you had originally planned, though, right? I had planned that I was going to kidnap her and take her with me. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. It didn't work out that way. I had kidnapped her, yes, but I didn't. Uh, it only lasted, you know, not even an hour, and it went to shit real fast. Right. So yeah. So I guess we can go on to questions. Uh, okay. My first question is: Considering the heat index, did that not stink up the cab of your truck? What's that? What's that? The 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 dead body, the decayed smell. Because I know well, because you know, I was with my dad when he died. Short time. Okay. She was only in there for a short time, but yes, I understand about the the death smell. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Actually, there was a there's a distinctive smell that a body gives off when it dies. Yeah, as soon uh, as it dies. Actually, yeah. Yeah. Well, see, I can I can go. There's a story that you might want to know. Now, I was living in in, in Delta Block here. At, at, in prison, and someone had hung up a few cells down, and the guards are doing their count, and they never caught it, right? So the guard come by my cell, and I said, hey, man, there's a dead guy in, the, in, the, in, in here. And he says, no, there isn't. And I said, yeah, there is. I mean, go back. I mean, sure, someone is pretty close. He's dead. I, 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 can, I can smell him, right? And so the guard goes back a few cells, and sure enough, the guy's hung up. You know, had hung himself. 
Wow. And they pull them out now. I remember when the state police came in, they always investigate the, the, the deaths and stuff like that. So the state police comes to my cell and says, if I understand that you brought the attention to the fact that there's a dead guy in here. And I said, yeah. And he says, well, how did you know? And I said, I could smell him. He said, bullshit. I said, seriously? Yeah. And he said, well, what makes you an authority <laughs> to smell dead bodies? And I said, I'm the happy face killer. <laughs> Hello, like, genius. It's like, I've been down that road before, fucker. So he said, okay, and he left, right? So apparently he realized that I knew what a dead body smells like. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit, right? Yeah, because that's... Just a little bit. Yeah, that's something you don't forget, because, I mean, I, I was around... I took care of a friend of mine who had cancer, and I was there when he passed away, and I was there when my dad passed away, and it's like almost as soon as somebody dies, there is a distinct odor. You know. Well, the, the the skin becomes clammy. Right. Your your skin becomes clammy, and it and it, it gives off this. Or it, it draws the flies in. Right. This is a natural process. This is a natural process. It draws. It, it it's there so that the flies can come in, and that the the decomposition starts. Right. Right. And it draws that in, and everything gets taken care of. Right. Right. Otherwise, I mean, the bugs wouldn't know it's there. Yeah. So that was that was my question. It's like, okay, you still have to go through way stations and stuff like that, and I'm assuming you have to roll down your window at least. That odor would kind of like, yeah, you know. Well, well, well hold on. That, not that's every, kind not of a yes or no. Not, not, not everybody knows the odor. But, oh, that's true, too. But also, it's kind of a yes or no, because like, a lot of times when you run through a way station, you can keep your windows up and nobody gives a shit. The only time in California you got to really take your window down is when you pass the agricultural stations, which we call bug stations, and they'll say, what are you hauling? And you got to give them your paperwork, and if you're hauling anything agricultural, then you have to have the right stamps. And But if you're hauling, like what I haul, Purina. Yeah, and hopefully, you, you, don't, and hopefully you don't have any Mexicans you're hauling up north. Yeah, no kidding. Not, and don't even make that joke. Like, I made that joke with an empty trailer. Oh, I got a truck full of Mexicans. Sir, pull to the side. I'm, oh, fuck. Here we go. Well, that's like saying bomb in an airport, isn't it? Oh, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, wow. actually, I actually hauled a couple of Mexicans out of, out of uh, uh, down by Brownsville, all the way up to Seattle. Holy shit. Wow. I drove them all. I gave them a ride all the way up because, you know, they. I was asked by the people I shipped my, I hauled a load of uh apples down to it. And he said, hey, i got a couple of people that need a ride up north to Seattle. Can you give them a ride? I said, yeah, go, go ahead. Put, get in the truck. <laughs> wow. No, no problem. I didn't care. I mean, this is, I didn't, I didn't think anything of it. This right. Was, you know, I didn't, I didn't put two and two together and say they're illegal. Now, here I am. I have a green card, for Christ's sake. Right, I was going to so, say, so do I yourself. One of those stations, I tell him, I said, any, he says, any illegals in here? And so I pull out my green card. Right? Here, here's my green card. And they're like, get the fuck out of here. You should look at them and say, no, senor, I no. am from Canada. No, I'm from Canada, yeah. eh? That's right. <laughs> eh? Eh? That's the one way I know how to speak it. Eh? <laughs> no, because, I mean, because that was my first question, because, you know, it's like, yeah, it's that is like a scent that you never forget once you smelled it. Well, really, the only time he'd really get screwed is if he had if he got pulled in for an inspection, because then you're opening your door. Right. Well, yeah, you're you get there and you you, you pull into a an area, a building. They crawl underneath you to check your brakes and they tell you go put full pressure on your brakes. Now, I would never put my full pressure on my brakes. They'd say put sixty pounds of pressure on it. I said, yeah, okay. And I, 
and I'd reach over and I'd look at my gauge and I'd put five pounds on. And the reason why it only took five pounds pressure, because of course the five pounds is going to move the brakes all the way up against the drum. But if you put 60 pounds pressure against your drum, sometimes you can distort the drum. You can actually expand the drum in an oblong type setup to where you're out of adjustment. They want that little extra so they can write you No, No, exactly. That's why yeah. I never gave full pressure. I never gave full pressure to my drums when I was in an inspection. At, no. at, best, I'd give them, at best, I'd give them 30 pounds. Now, I had one time, he said, put full pressure on there, and he got up there, and he got in my face. And then I explained to him, I said, oh, wait a minute, here's this on. When I come down off a hill, and I got my Johnny Bar back at five pounds, so that I barely have a little bit of brake on, so that I just slowly slow myself down, you mean my brakes aren't working? And he said, well, yeah, they're working. I said, well, then, what's the problem here? Right. I don't, and I explained to him, I said, if I put full 60 pounds pressure or more on my brakes, that I can distort my drum to where it may be, if it's, if it's close to being out of adjustment, it would be out of adjustment. And no. they'd write me up. That's just how these assholes do down in the scale houses. Yeah, it's so a, have to, it's have a to peculiar really thing. Work around that. Yeah, yeah, I, I've had some scale house guys that, you know, for inspections that have been tremendously awesome. Then you get the ones who are just dumbasses. That you're like, oh, we're going to have that kind of a fucking day. Okay, no, that's great. You're just that kind of no, like, dumbass. No, you're that kind of dumbass. That's fucking fantastic. Well, I, I went through Trucky one time, and, and, and the front of my truck had been wrecked, but it was fixed. It was just primered. And, they, and the guy looked at my front wheel, and he said, I think that wheel's got a crack in it. It was a brand new wheel. <laughs> you know how the dust will, will roll from a, from the lug nut. It'll kind of like feather off, and it looks yep. like a it would look like a crack, but it's not a crack. So he says, "This is crack. You got to get a new wheel." Now he had me drive over to the spot, and I parked. I wasn't there half an hour. This service truck pulls up, has a front tire and a wheel already mounted, my size. <laughs> oh, says, hey, what a coincidence! I, I got this wheel for you. We'll go ahead and put this on, but you get them down the road. And I said. No, that's okay. I'll call my boss in the morning. We'll get this settled, and then uh, if there's an issue, we'll call you, and we'll you'll have you come back on out. Well, he takes off disgruntled, you know, and, and and I get my polish out, and I polish the wheels. That's all it took. I just polished the wheels. So I waited for them to have a, a shift change, so the guy that wrote me the ticket would leave, and then another guy came in once he. They set up shop. I drove up to the inspection said, All right, I got a new wheel on her. And, I did, you know, and there he looked at it. He said, All right, have a nice day. Signed off on it, and away I went. <laughs> I got into an argument and with that. My boss, my, my boss sued him and got and got the uh, the ticket thrown out. And hopefully got the guy fired, but that didn't, I, that wasn't going to happen. So, it, you know, they learned a lesson. In other words, don't, don't mess with the Lone Ranger, I guess. <laughs> right. I got into an argument with yeah. a with, with a trainee up at the uh, Federal Way Skills years ago. So you know how, like on your on your spring hangers, you have those casting marks where the two pieces were melded together. He's doing an inspection. He looks like, oh, you have a crack. I said, no, that's a casting mark. It's the same on both of them on this side and both on the other side. He looks at him. Oh, you have four cracks. I'm, oh, okay. There we go. So I got pissed off. He finally got his uh, his sergeant out there. And his sergeant just looked at him, and the look on his face was priceless. Like, oh, you're mentally retarded. He's all, 
Yeah, those are casting marks. I said, oh, isn't that freaking amazing? The driver, just get out of here. Okay, bye-bye. And I took <laughs> off. Yeah. Well, how about like I was in, I was in coming out of Washington, D.C., right, in the area. Mm-hmm. And I was coming out, I hit a scale house there on the East Coast. And they, he pulled me in. He said, you're out of hours. I mean, you're, you're not current on your logbook. And I said, yes, I am. And he says, no, you're not. He said, the time is. And he told me what time it was. I said, no, 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 no. <laughs> it may be 9 o'clock your time, but it's 6 o'clock my time. And he said, well, you're from Washington. I said, yes, Washington State. Not from Washington, D.C. I'm from Washington State. And the guy couldn't, <laughs> couldn't fathom it. I said, do you have a supervisor I can talk to? And the supervisor comes over to the house and I'm trying to explain to your, your guy here that I'm from Washington State. I'm three hours away. I'm not going to change my logbook to be current at 9 o'clock here when I have to go back. Then I have to, where am I going to gain or lose these hours? If that's is the case. This is just complicate my logbook to no end. The true that. And the guy explained it to his fellow worker there. He said, listen, he said, on the East Coast, we run, if you come from a, a town and this is your time and this is where you left, you maintain a 24-hour period of time based upon the time where it is at your home. You don't base it on every every time change, zone, any time zone changes anywhere along the way. You don't do that. Oh, he went, oh, I wrote too many tickets already this morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Oopsies. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So, anyway, that was, that was my second murder, right? So Now, that's now the one know, they I mean, just identified last year, right? No, no. This one here, oh. is, uh, the, this one here is in uh, Riverside. They've never identified. Now, we've... Uh, Briar Lee Mitchell had tried to get a DNA sample sent off to Ancestry.com on this one, and she was going to pay for that. And then, of course, they made a big deal about it. They didn't want a civilian stepping into this case, and they're kind of they're really wondering how come she wanted to push this along. And when they really were befuddled when they found out that I was pushing the narrative along, that I was pushing her to get it done. Right. What do you mean the killer's trying to get her identified? What's wrong with this picture? Right. Okay. So here, so the killer me was trying to get a, a, a third party to pay for the DNA testing to find out whether if they can identify who she is, and then they decided not to take the help. Right. Yeah, they decided to push it back and say, "No, we're going to do this on our own," which has been a lot of years later, and they still haven't done it. Wow. So this is this is how this is how the justice system works, man. Uh, they've already given me a life sentence on it. They don't need it. They won't. So in other words, they they don't even want to find out who she is. Yeah. Now, all I can say is that she was headed to L.A. This is this is she was headed to Los Angeles. She was wearing a uh, a, a motorcycle T-shirt type, and she came from up north, which is anywhere from. Um, Barstow to uh, Las Vegas or something, but she had no luggage. She had no purse. She had no identification on her. And the only money she had on her was the money that I took from her after I killed her, which is the money I gave her. So I yeah, explained. yeah. So did I rob her? But well, oh, no, she gave it back to me. She didn't say no. <laughs> 
hot. She didn't say no when I asked for it back, so I just took it. That's right. Well, yeah, well, you know what she's gonna. What is she gonna do with it when she's dead? Like I know that sounds callous and everything well, like she, that, but like for well, real. I know some people need to have a coin on their on their eyes when they die, so they can pay for the the ride up to wherever it is. They're I was going to say, isn't that like a Jewish tradition? No, that's to cross the river right. Styx so you can pay the ferryman. Oh, okay. The ferryman. Yeah, gotcha. The ferryman. The well, I don't think Styx. they carry. I don't think they they took paper money anyway. No, it was all coins. Gold is all. All coin, but I didn't give her a coin. But anyway, so get on down the road. This is this is the basis of that. Now they they've never identified her, and this you got to understand this is back in 1992. Right. So she's an unsolved murder from 1992. Well, she's a solved murder, but she's an unidentified person that was heading to L.A. And does she have family there? Maybe. Maybe she's. I don't know. I don't. I, that's that's a big unknown. But wow. we've tried. We have tried our best to try to identify her with the storyline and trying to push. I think that's in her book. Uh, Serial killers is in and now. I think she has a write up on that in the book. Yeah, I, I remember I seeing that, and she does ask questions like, "Who are you?" You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Because yeah. That's what we're trying to do is identify my victims so that the families can have closure. But the problem we're running into is that the police don't want us to be the, be the ones that are trying to get this done. Yeah, they don't want you to push the narrative. Yeah, they were pretty rude to Breyer when, uh, when when she was asking that. Like, I think that was a, a coroner or something like that called her and said, who the hell do you think you are to do this? Yeah, that, they were it, really upset. Yeah, it's like, dude. We're, we're trying to find out who she is, and of course, they don't. they aren't trying, so... They don't want to be known as the guys not wanting, not trying. So the, the, their problem is that they look like they look like dorks by not doing it. I'm, yeah, I'm totally. sorry, dorks. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to point at dorks, but they were. They were. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> they want to look like uh, dumbasses, right? By not doing this and spending the money to get it done, and if, it, especially if we're able to prove it. Especially if we're able to identify who it is, right? And if, and if she's identified with the money that we spent to get it done, what does that do for them? And it, all of a sudden, they're going like, "Well, you could have done this too," and they they would have said, "Well," uh, uh, and that's where it ends. Right? Yeah, they would have said lack of end. resources. That's their go-to. Well, this is the problem with the legal system. Everything is a lack of resources. Like I keep telling, to, trying to tell people, if, if this government put together billions of dollars in an account so they could run the DNA and everything and all these unsolved cases, you imagine, well, they would just fill the prisons up. And, of course, the Democrats don't want to do that. They want to empty the prisons. Right. Yep, yep. So this would be the, the wrong narrative. In other words, we'd solve more crimes and, and put more people in prison. And the Democrats don't want to put people in prison. They want to let people out. Well, you so, know. yeah. So this is this is the problem we run into. See, Tam, you ain't got to worry about going back to prison for being a prostitute. I fucking hate you. <laughs> you know, one of these days, I'm going to murder you and say it on the air so don't everybody knows it was me. Just use a baseball bat on a couple times. Oh, thanks, Keith. Appreciate that. What I was going to ask you is say something nice for my funeral, but damn. Never mind. (laughs) Well, I'll I'll pay for your tombstone, okay? 
sweet? You know, Scott hurt himself this week, and you know what his solution was? For me to hurt myself so I could be in just as much pain. Okay, here's why. Here's why. Because since Tammy is, uh, she's actually my personal assistant. We just decided to start a podcast together. Um, I I told her, like, I've got to go in for hip surgery in the next year or so. And I said, so guess what? I know you got to go, okay, hip, but you're going to come in and get chopped up with me. I'm not doing this shit alone. (laughs) I got to suffer, so do you. Yeah. So he hurts himself. I do, too. (laughs) So we'll talk about my third murder at some point. Yeah. Which actually actually ended quicker. (laughs) (laughs) It it was even quicker? (laughs) Yeah, it was faster than that. It was actually very fast. Okay. Dang, she went to yeah, the express we'll, lane. We'll talk about that at another time, but um, You're so it, it's dumb. a progression. So basically yeah. why I asked why am I a serial killer is there's a progression to why I became who I was. Right. Now this one this one didn't work out too well. I was gonna kidnap her and I was gonna have her for a long time and what did I have her for an hour? Right. I mean and I didn't even get to do anything because she was escaping. I was like, This is I can't be so nice the next time and tie them. When I tie them up, I've got to make sure they're tied tightly. Yeah, that's true. Keeps them from escaping. Being gentle or whatever. Scott, Scott learned that. Yeah. I had to, it was a learning process, let's just say. Scott's over there taking notes. A, that's all I'm saying. I've got to keep my <laughs> Asian <laughs> girls from escaping. You know, there was no serial killer kit available when I was doing this. Right, right. <laughs> Dude, we need to put one no, together. I'm just saying. <laughs> What a horrible. The self-start serial killer kit wasn't out there, so I didn't know. I didn't know what to do, what to expect. Right. <laughs> so this Look. is the process. It's, so that was the question: Why was it? Why am I still going? Of course, the FBI has their idea of what it is, but they don't. They don't understand there's a progression that goes along. Oh yeah, totally. You know, I, I had not intended the first time. The second time, I was intended to do it, and, and in my intentions, I was not. I. I it wasn't well planned out. Right. And so, um, it, had, you know, it all fell apart really quickly. And, and uh, uh, the third one come along, and then and it was just, uh, uh, I, come to, I come to the conclusion that uh, uh, to force someone along wasn't the idea that I wanted. The one, I didn't want to push that narrative along. One minute along. remaining. Anyway, there's one minute remaining. Do you want me to call you back or not? Um, Let's take it up next week because we got yeah. uh, we got some other things that we have to. Kind We're of short attend. on time yeah. today because we have okay. other well, things we have to do. So. I yeah. got your message yep. yesterday. And okay. short on so staff. We'll... So. Yeah. Okay. Really short so, on staff. You have a nice day. You too. You too, Keith. As always, it's always great talking hey, to you, man. Happy Valentine's Day since I won't get to talk to well, you between now you. and then. Thank You're you. welcome. Oh, happy <laughs> Valentine's Day, Keith. There's a big kiss for you. Hugs and ah. kisses all around. There you go. You know what? Scott's always aiming to please. <laughs> all right, Bye. Keith. We'll talk to you later, buddy. Bye, Bye-bye. Keith. Bye. That was actually a really good call. God that was, I mean, it actually went a totally different direction than I expected because I had some questions about something else that you and I had talked about over the weekend. I mean, prior to the weekend, but yeah. yeah. I never expected him to ask, why am I a serial killer? Yeah, and why do you think I am? It's like, wow, did you read our minds? Because we were talking about that earlier in the week. We, we were just yesterday, as a matter of fact. Was it just yesterday? Yeah, because, well, yeah, because, was it, yeah, I think it was yesterday. Or the day before, or the two, I can't quite remember. 
no, maybe it was the day before because we were talking about um, how he doesn't fit the mold, and we found some information <coughs> that we were actually going to bring up with him today that we didn't get to. Right, so we'll have to do that next week and what yeah. happened. But what a, I'm, I'm glad that we kind of got a partial exclusive I on know. the real story of the second killing. I know that, you know, doesn't follow the narratives of the police reports and everything. So Yeah, it makes it makes it more better. Make Mobada. 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 He's over here dying. Yeah. All right, folks. Remember, you can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, and wherever you get your blogs. What else? Check out our, uh, oh, hey, become a citizen of the Brutal Na- of Brutal Nation. There you go. Get onto the Facebook page. Look up citizen of is it citizen or citizen? Citizens. Yeah, I thought it was plural. A brutal nation. Click like, follow us. We got a, you know t-shirts and all kinds of stuff. Uh, some some really cool merch. Some really cool merch. We do. We've even got merch for the lover of the Sasquatch. We have Sasquatch t-shirts. We do have Sasquatch shirts on there. Which yeah. I'm still cracking up at those. Those are just freaking amazing. Yeah, we we have to get some more of those up there, and we'll have uh, the album t-shirts for the band and the. Uh, Original Twisted T-shirts as soon as we get those done. And, yeah, we just have a lot oh, going yeah, on. Yeah, I forgot I got to plug the album. So. Plug the album. If y'all get onto any streaming service like Spotify, iTunes. Uh, I use Amazon Music myself. Um, uh, just go play songs by Twisted Blue. Our new album will come up. And uh, hey, man, give it a listen, give it a like, check yeah. out the website, uh, not the website, the uh, uh, the YouTube page that we have as well. Uh, and yeah, and if they go the to the website, page. they can actually click on the link in the sidebar that'll take them to where they can listen to different platforms. Oh, so, yeah. oh yeah, that's right. I forgot that we had that service. Yeah, oh, should I forget? I put that on the website this last week. That's more better too. That is more. That is more better too. <laughs> Southern hillbilly. This show's copyrighted 2022, 2023 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved. And remember, if you're hearing this on anybody else's podcast, are lying, thieving bastards. We will see you guys later on. Bye bye. Bye.